My name is Kez, and I'm one of the interns here at St. Nick's. Um, so I graduated last year, um, mid-COVID, 2020, um, and I've been doing this internship since September. And kind of part of the role is working with students, but the other half is um, called Outreach and Mission, um, which means I'm especially excited that this morning we're going to be talking about Kingdom Mission and what mission is all about. Um, and I wonder what you guys think of when you hear the word mission. I think for some people it might just be a picture of Tom Cruise and a helicopter. Um, but for a lot of you, I imagine there's a more firm link um, between the word mission and church. Um, you might be super keen about mission as a Christian, um, or maybe it's something that you feel a bit more apprehensive about. Um, but I remember in 2015 when I just left sick form and I started doing a gap year program called Action Teams um, and while I was on that program there was um, a woman there who's part of the, one of the churches I was visiting and she said something along the lines of um, mission is what it's all about and actually I felt a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> about that um, and I don't know if anyone else relates to that but I just had this picture of Christians bashing people with Bibles um, or forcing their faith on someone. Um, and actually, I don't think that is what it's about. Um, and over the course of that year, um, I started to realize that telling people about Jesus is not about forcing your faith on someone. It's about swapping your stories and inviting other people in. But I think I also started to realize that mission is even bigger than that. And today we're going to be talking about kingdom mission and um, thinking about what it means to respond to God's invitation to the church to join in with his kingdom plans, to share Jesus with others, to love people really well, to pursue justice and mercy, and to care for creation. And I think there are many incredible opportunities to do all of these things that are unique to your university years. God is at work right now on university campuses. He's at work in your friends' lives. And, and yeah, he wants to invite us to join in, to join in with his work of justice and mercy in those places, to join in with loving people and telling others about Jesus. And so today's passage, um, we're going to be looking more at mission. And the passage is from Acts chapter 4. Um, I'm going to grab my Bible. Um, and... The book of Acts is one of my favorite books in the Bible. I think it is my favorite book of the Bible, actually. Um, and it's kind of, it starts sort of after Jesus has um, died and been raised to life and ascended to heaven. And it sort of tells the story of the um, first Christians and how the church really was launched. And, and the bit that we're going to look at is um, Acts chapter 4. And the context of this, we're going to um, join in. Um, where there's two followers of Jesus, Peter and John, who have just healed a man and told people about Jesus. Um, but as a result, they were sent to prison. And so at this point in the passage, um, they've just been released from prison and they've just gone back to join with the other Christians in the house. Um, so we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, um, and we'll go up to verse 34. So it says this. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. 
When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. I just love this passage so much. Um, And I think it gives us a real glimpse of the mission that Jesus has given us as the church and kind of tells us a little bit about how we can go about joining in with that. God is in the process of building a beautiful kingdom. And it's both coming now and one day will come in fullness. But I think it's a kingdom that is not defined by location, but defined by who the king is. When people acknowledge the king, when they acknowledge that Jesus is king, that's where the kingdom is. When people do the things that the king loves, that is where the kingdom is. And so we're invited to join in with that, to introduce others to the king, to tell them about Jesus, to do the things that the king loves by loving people, pursuing justice and mercy, and caring for creation. And I think this passage gives us three defining features about what that mission should look like and what our mission as the church looks like. So I think they are that this mission is prayer-fueled, story-focused, and in community. So we're going to dig into these three um, aspects of mission um, this morning. So the first one of these is that our mission is prayer-fueled. So verses 29 to 31 said this. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And I think whenever God moves in a big way, the common theme is almost always prayer. He allows his people to partner with him and do his will through prayer. And there's a Swiss theologian called Karl Barth who said this about prayer. God does not act in the same way whether we pray or not. In other words, God responds to our prayers. He loves to hear our prayers, and our prayers can make a difference. And I reckon that God involving us 
in his kingdom plans through prayer is kind of like when a, an adult decides to involve a child in a task, even though they know it's going to be completely like, inefficient to do so. Um, but there's actually like other beneficial aspects of the child being involved. Um, I don't know if any of you have read Michelle Obama's biography, Becoming, um, but I finished it recently, and it's so good. I very much recommend um, but in it, um, Michelle Obama talks about when they moved into the White House, um, she really wanted to plant a vegetable garden. And sort of the purpose of the garden was not, to, was not just to produce this beautiful garden, but it was actually to get children involved in the process and to teach them um, about healthy living and um, yeah, what it looks like to create a garden from scratch. Um, and she would get children from local schools and um, invite them along, um, and often from de more deprived areas. And they would all get down together into the dirt, and these children would help shape the garden. They would be involved in the decision making. And I think they probably did a worse job than the White House gardeners would have done. But they learned so much in the process, and they were transformed, and they developed relationships with the others involved. And I think in the same way, God is cultivating a kingdom garden. He is involving us in that process. Like the children in Michelle Obama's vegetable garden, we are being transformed in the process. And he gives us the dignity of being involved. We get to be involved in the decision-making and telling him the things that we want to see changed in the world. We get to develop a relationship with God as well in that process. And in this passage in Acts that we're reading, there are specific prayers and, and there are immediate answers as well. So they pray, they ask to be, um, to speak the word, of, the word boldly. And then they are filled with the spirit and it says they spoke the word of God boldly and the room was shaken. And I guess what I'm not saying is that God is a genie who sort of will if you ask for a pet dog, that right away the next day you'll get a pet dog. Um, and, you know, unanswered prayer is this really big topic um, that we don't really have time to do justice to in this talk this morning. But if this is something that you want to think about more, um, I'd really recommend the book God on Mute by Pete Gregg. Um, it, has, it has loads of really helpful thoughts on this topic. Um, but Pete Gregg has also written a bunch of other brilliant books um, where he talks about all these mi miracles that they've seen um, and answers to prayer. And one of these books um, is called Dirty Glory. And I think it's probably one of my favorite books. Um, and in, in it, um, Pete describes some events that happened around 70 years ago um, in the Outer Hebrides. So some islands just off the west coast of Scotland. Um, and in the book, Pete Gregg is talking about how these islands experienced this massive revival and, and where almost the entire region became Christians within four years. And so I'll read what he writes in the book. He says this about um, what happened in the Hebrides. Between 1949 and 1953, the majority of the population surrendered their lives to Christ. Empty churches were repopulated with young people there were miraculous signs and wonders, and the entire fabric of the Hebridean society was transformed by the gospel, all in just four years. On one occasion, at a prayer meeting in the village of Arnold, the room physically shook 
as they cried out to God. God's presence sometimes became so palpable in parts of the Isle of Lewis that 75% of those who gave their lives to Christ on one particular night did so before they even reached a meeting. And I think these kind of events that are happening in the UK in the last 100 years are very similar to what's going on in Acts in, in this passage we've been reading. Rooms are being shaken as people cry out to God. And I think also one of the significant features of the Hebridean revival is that prayer was a key factor. In the lead up to those events, there were two elderly women who would spend hours into the night praying and inviting God to come and intervene in their community. Prayer is so crucial to our mission as the church. And in the Hebrides, we see that God answers really big prayers, but he also hears our small prayers and loves to respond to them as well. I don't know if you've come to student prayer. Um, we, we meet as St. Nick students on Thursday mornings for student prayer, and at the moment we're doing prayer walks. Um, but a couple of years ago, um, I remember praying um, at student prayer while I was a student for one of my housemates. Um, and I prayed a very specific prayer that um, I would have more deep conversations with her about faith and life. Because I'd just been feeling like a lot of our conversations were quite surface level. Uh, and so I prayed for that that morning at student prayer. And then later in the afternoon... Um, I was chatting with my housemate, and we decided that we wanted to do some German um, spoken practice, um, and so we wanted to practice our speaking skills. And so the idea came into my head um, that we could use a Fusion DMC deck. Um, so some of you might have these in your um, bags, your fresher or new student welcome backpacks. Um, and basically what we decided to do was take these cards which have lots of different questions about um, life and faith and we translated them into German and then sort of talked about them in German with each other um, and actually it worked so well and we ended up talking about things like um, is there life after death or where do you find your hope um, and I was just so encouraged that that morning I'd you know prayed and asked God for an opportunity to have a deep conversation with my housemate and then th that afternoon that idea came into my head and I really think that that was God, sort of, like, sort of creating that space for that. And she's not a Christian yet, and I'm still praying for her. But there have been a number of more, more answers to prayer that I've seen as, as I've been praying for this friend of mine. And I'd love to challenge you to um, come along to student prayer to um, join us on a, on a Thursday morning to use the authority that God has given you to invite him to come and transform our cities and our universities and our friends' lives. In Jeremiah 29, verse 7, it says, Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So God is literally saying to his people, pray for your city, pray that it would prosper and you will also prosper. So somehow God thinks that prayer is important in the prosperity of a city, in the, in, he wants us to be involved and to be partnering with him in seeing his kingdom purposes come to pass. I just think that's so exciting that we're invited to join in with that. We have authority to pray and to wrestle with God 
we are given the dignity of partnering with God in shaping his kingdom garden, praying big prayers and small prayers, asking him for the things we long to see in the world, knowing that he does hear us. Prayer is a crucial part of our kingdom mission as Christians. And the second thing that we see in this passage about mission is that we join in as storytellers. We sort of join in with the mission as ourselves, bringing our own experiences of God. In um, verse 33 in this passage, it says, With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then back a bit earlier, just when Peter and John have been told to stop speaking about Jesus, and they say, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They cannot help but share the experiences of, of how they've encountered God. And I think that storytelling, sharing our experiences, is so key to sharing our faith. We see this as well in another um, story where in John 4, um, a Samaritan woman meets Jesus and she has this incredible conversation with him. And then she goes back to her hometown and even though she has all this stigma around her and she tells her experience, she explains the conversation she's had with Jesus. And as a result, many people in that town believe in Jesus. And then she leads some of them back to meet Jesus and even more of them believe in Jesus as a result. Her story, it was so significant. Her sharing her faith, her experiences of Jesus was so important. And that process of sharing faith is often called evangelism. And I know there can often be a mixed response to the word evangelism. And it might make you think of a loud street preacher telling you that you're going to hell, which for me has been quite an uncomfortable experience. I don't know if any of you have had that. Um, but I think evangelism is evangelism is actually meant to mean literally announcing good news good news that we are loved that we are forgiven that we don't need to fear death and there's even more good news than that as we share our personal stories of how God has worked in each of our lives Walter Brueggemann describes evangelism as an invitation and summons to switch stories and therefore to change lives and so as we listen to our friends' stories, we get to respond and share our own story and put Jesus at the center of that and kind of explain how knowing Jesus has changed our lives. Sometimes I find it helpful to think, why am I a Christian? Or what difference is God making in my life right now? About a year ago, I think maybe, I think it was January last year, because it was before COVID, um, I was helping out with a Christian Union um, event called Dial a Donut. And I don't know if any of you have joined in with events like that. Um, but basically what happens is that uh, members of the Christian Union will um, sort of gather together and they'll, um, there'll be the opportunities for people who aren't part of the Christian Union to text in questions about faith and Christianity. And then um, a couple of people from the Christian Union will turn up at their door and try and answer the question and give them a free donut as well. Um, and so I was helping out with this event in Lenton um, in January last year, and we were all crammed into someone's house um, and waiting for a text to come in, and then we'd go out in pairs and, and try and answer these questions. And 
as I was sat in the house, one text came in from my, um, my home address, like my student house, and I realized that my housemate had texted in a question. And so I ended up back in my house, sat on my sofa with um, another member of the Christian Union and my housemate opposite us. And she turned to both of us and just said, so why are you guys Christians? And it kind of stumped me a little bit, that question. I don't know if you find that easy to answer or not. Um, but I think I sort of decided to explain the process of, like, as a child, how the steps I'd sort of made gradually towards God. Um, and then more generally explained, like, what Christians believe. But I do remember coming away from that conversation feeling a little bit dissatisfied with my answer and thinking, actually, what could I say to her, like, right now about the difference that God is making in my life? And I've sort of been thinking about it more recently. And I kind of become starting to realize that part of my story is that God is releasing me from a fear of what other people think of me. I know that I am loved and I'm forgiven and I'm filled with this Holy Spirit and that God is transforming me from the inside out and he is gradually making me more bold and removing that fear of what people think of me. And that is the Holy Spirit in me. And that's part of my personal story that I can share with others and say, actually, God's making a difference in my life right now. And we all have a story to tell. We might have multiple stories of how God is transforming us or changing us. You might not see yourself as an evangelist. Um, maybe you find evangelism really easy, and that's just a very natural thing for you. Um, or maybe you find it quite scary. But not all people in the Bible um, have the role of evangelist. It seems to be like a specific role for certain people. But everyone is called a witness. And witnesses are called to share their experiences, to share um, what they've seen and heard about God. And we get to do that too. We get to be witnesses and tell our stories and put Jesus in the center of them. So we're going to think for a moment. We're going to have a bit of a pause and just think, why is Jesus good news to me? Maybe there's fears that I no longer have or I'm gradually being released from. Maybe there's a community that I've now found. Maybe there's a purpose that I wouldn't have if I wasn't a Christian. So we're going to take a minute to write down, um, maybe on your phone, or if you've got a notepad, um, feel free to write on there. But write down um, what difference God is making in your life. Um, or the difference God generally has made in your life. It might be multiple things, um, but what would be different if you were not a Christian right now? Why is Jesus good news to you personally? And if you're not a Christian, or you can't really think of anything, then why not spend some time thinking um, what you think is appealing about being a Christian? So we'll just give a couple of minutes um, to do that, and then we'll come back together. If you haven't had time to finish writing that down, do feel free to keep writing or take it um, back with you um, once we finish this morning. Um, and it, I'd really encourage you to go away and really think, keep thinking about that, to keep processing actually what is your story um, and really pray into that. But we're going to um, look now at the last thing that this passage tells us about the mission that we have as a church. And this mission is that we get to go together. We get to do mission in community. In this passage, we see um, in verse 32, it says, 
All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And we also see that Peter and John, these two followers of Jesus, they were going about their day together and they ended up in prison together and they weren't on their own. There is so much unity in this, in this passage, in these Christians' lives. And, and I think going together is so important. It's not always possible. And you might feel like you might be the only Christian in your house or in your family or on your course. And, but I think that's why it's so important to have those midweek community gatherings where you sort of meet up and encourage each other and pray for each other and spur one another on. But I think it's also so good to sometimes have those times where we do organized mission together. Um, and it kind of makes you bold for those times when you're on your own as well. I remember um, a couple of years ago, I went on a prayer and mission trip to Ibiza with an organization called 24-7 Prayer. Um, and 24-7 Ibiza, their sort of purpose is to make Jesus known in that place um, and to love the people and they're really well. And so what we'd do is we'd spend in the night, we'd spend an hour in the, pra- in the prayer room and then an hour on the streets and we'd just keep rotating. And while we were on the streets, we would be um, helping people get home safely. You might sit with someone for a while and, until they've sobered up a bit and worked out where the hotel is. And I did a couple of trips in the vomit van to people's hotels or taking them to hospital. Um, but we'd also just walk up to groups and have conversations and um, offer prayer to them. And actually, for me, that was one of the scarier bits. I didn't really mind sitting next to someone and helping them sober up gradually, but walking up to some, a big group of people and chatting and offering prayer, I did find that quite scary. Um, but I think going with, with someone else who was more experienced than me, who had done it before, was so good. And that's why I think going together is so important, doing these things in a pair. And sort of as I was coming to the end of that trip, um, I was asking God, like, is it, can I come back? This has been really great. I would love to come back and serve here again. But I just had this sense that maybe God was saying, actually, I want you to take what you've learned and bring it back and do this in the UK to sort of really think about combining prayer and mission more. And so this has gradually ended up in a few different um, things. But one thing that has sort of led to um, is a new initiative called Knock and Pray. Um, And some of you might have heard of it. um, But in autumn, um, St. Nick's students launched um, Knock and Pray. And we did it alongside a couple of other churches as well. And basically what we do is we go around student areas in Nottingham and we go out in pairs and we um, just will knock on the door and offer to pray for people in that house, um, just from the doorstep. And I think I went out sort of expecting like maybe one in 10 to say yes to prayer. Um, And so I was blown away when actually we did get a lot of positive responses. And probably around 50% of people said yes to prayer or um, at least yes to us praying a blessing over their household. There was one girl who, um, when she opened the door, she was initially a little bit apprehensive. But when she heard that we were offering prayer, um, she was sort of much more open. And she was saying that she'd had some really bad news that day. And, and could we pray with her for her family? Um, and after we prayed for her, um, she said, oh, you guys have made my day. Um, and that was just such an encouragement. And um, 
There were other times when people de definitely said no quite firmly. And there was one guy I remember who, as soon as um, we said, I think I said we're from local churches, he just said, I'm having none of that. And he just slammed the door shut. And, <laughs> and so we were like, okay, we'll go to the next house. Um, but I think it's worth it for those times when people say yes. Um, and it's just such a good place to grow in boldness. And we go out together, we don't go on our own. And whether you find that a really scary prospect or really, really exciting, I'd just love to challenge you to come along. I'd love to invite you to come and join in. The worst case scenario is that they say no and shut the door. And I experienced that and I have lived to tell the tale. Um, so yeah, I'd love to invite you to come along. Um, the next time we're heading out is Wednesday the 12th of May in the afternoon. So if you want to come, put it in your diaries and let me know. And they'll prob we'll probably put out more information very soon as well. But I would just love to see us all heading out on mission together, going prayerfully, expectantly, seeing miracles and healings and coming back with stories to tell. We're invited to join in with what God is doing at this time. He wants us to be part of his mission of bringing his kingdom on earth right now. We are invited to go prayer-fueled. We have authority to ask things, God for things that we want to see happen on earth. We get transformed in the process. We grow in our relationship with God. And, and if you want to think about this more and um, press into prayer more, then, then I would really encourage you to come along to student prayer. Um, we have our prayer walks every Thursday morning. And so, yeah, do, do you think about coming along to that? But we get to join in with this mission as storytellers, going as ourselves, listening to our friends' stories and responding with our own experiences of how God is working in our lives. And so, yeah, do keep thinking about what is your story? What is the difference that God is making in your life? And finally, we get to go in community. We get to go together, supporting each other, praying for each other, and encouraging each other in this, in our mission. And so, yeah, do be thinking about coming along to knock and pray. It will be so good to see you there. God is cultivating a beautiful kingdom garden. And I am so excited and amazed that we get to join in with this. We get to head out and join in, seeking God, sharing Jesus with others, pursuing justice and mercy, loving people, caring for creation, coming back with stories to tell, miracles we've seen, answers to prayer. So let's be people who invite God's kingdom to come here in our universities and in our city. Let's ask him for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's pray together. Yeah, Father God, we just pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that you would give each of us a real expectancy in prayer, that we would really believe that you, you can... You want us to partner with you in prayer, that we would believe that you hear us and that you love to respond. I pray that you would grow us in boldness to share our faith, to tell our stories, to respond to the stories that we hear of our friends. And God, I pray that you would be leading us deeper into community with each other, that we would know that we go on mission together. 
Thank you for this incredible mission that you've given us to join in with your kingdom plans on earth. Um, yeah, we just invite you here. Come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't want to do any of this without you. So God, we just yeah, pray that you would come and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.